So I want to speak to you from the heart tonight. I try to speak from the heart every week, but no notes, no net. What's happening for me? And connect with you on, on a weekend where, where the Torah will tell us in a moment about a very, very powerful story. But in order to tell you that story, I have to go back a week and tell you a different story. <laughs> Last week in the shul, I wanted to tell a story about a character in the Torah. I wanted to tell a story about the nephew of Abraham, of Lot. A story about the conflicted nature of his character. On the one hand, he was incredibly um, odd individual in Abraham's family. He went to live in a, in a bad neighborhood. And the Torah tells us that just like Abraham, Lot was very hospitable to strangers. There's something in the story of Lot and the story of Abraham which is a story of individuals who knew how to be loving and caring to those who weren't members of their family, as is evidenced by Lot's horrific act when he was willing to give his daughters over to the men of the city. Some sickness in the family that I don't know about you, but that I'm familiar with in some ways. I'm familiar with People who come to me and say, you know, my father, when he would go to the synagogue, was the most amazing person in the synagogue you would ever want to meet. My mother, when she was in restaurants, was so friendly to waiters and waitresses. She knew their names. She knew who they were. But when it came to us, not so much. She reserved all of her hospitality for guests and none of it for family members. It's a painful reality that some people live in, where family is the opposite of safe, where being strange is the only way to be seen, where being on the outside is the only way to be on the inside, and when you're on the inside, you feel like you're on the outside and you can't win. So it isn't a shock to imagine that, that in this week's reading, that story of Abraham's magnam magnanimity, or how do I say it, magnanimous quality, his, his willingness, his chesed, his overflowing kindness, his tents open on all sides. In the aftermath of having offered his son, even that wasn't something he could say no to. He offered his son on the altar. In this week's Torah reading, the Torah will devote the longest chapter in the book of Genesis to Abraham's last will, as it were, to have his son Isaac marry. I find it ironic in the 67 verses that Abraham invites a stranger to do this deed. That instead of Abraham himself going out to marry his son, Abraham will invite his servant to do it. I found so moving that Abraham can't cross that abyss that he created 
between himself and his son. In fact, the Torah tells us that they will never speak again. In fact, even God doesn't want to talk to Abraham either. Abraham will never again be visited by any of his children, nor will he hear a visitation from the Divine One. Abraham is, as it were, now on his own. And he literally is because Sarah isn't there any longer either as she dies in the beginning of the, the reading. And here we are in chapter 24. Vayomer Avram, and Abraham said to his servant, Make an oath to me. And I want to say tonight that this is, this is Abraham's final test. Abraham, in the tradition, has ten tests, and he successfully navigates each and every one of them. The, what's the tenth and most difficult test, of course, was the Akedah. Right in chapter 22, he's willing to offer up his son. We don't hear about tests 11, 12, 13, and 14. But there was a test, test number 11. And it's tomorrow morning. And the test was, you, Abraham, you, who, for all intents and purposes, are now waiting to see if the promise of God that you will have continuity through your child, Isaac, if that will come true, Here's the one way that you can make it happen. You, Abraham, have to find someone who knows what Isaac needs. You have to know what Isaac needs, and you have to ask someone from the outside to help him get that. Because you, Abraham, you can't do it. Akidat Abraham, the sacrifice of Abraham, is chapter 24 of the book of Genesis. Abraham has to be removed from the scene. He has to offer up his own agency in history. It won't be you, Abraham, that will heal Isaac. It's over. It will have to be someone who'll start again. And that someone is Rebecca. Rebecca is Abraham and Sarah rolled into one. And Eliezer, who the tradition says is the servant that is sent forward by Abraham, Eliezer knows. Eliezer knows what is necessary. He knows that in order for Isaac to be healed, in order for him to get what he needs, he needs his father and his mother again. He needs that primal unit that can heal him, that can rebirth him. And so in chapter 24, if you read carefully, you'll see that Rebecca is almost precisely a mirror image of Isaac's dad, Abraham. She runs, she jumps, she's full of chesed. The word chesed appears over and over again. She's loving, she's kind, she's hospitable. And then the Torah tells us in the end of chapter 24 that that Isaac brings Rebekah into his mother's tent, into Sarah's tent, and she replaces, she comforts, she becomes Sarah. And in this moment of reconciliation or healing, the Torah teaches us a number of things, everyone. And these are the things that I want to share with you from my heart tonight. Number one is this. That Abraham's sacrificing his own hand in history was his 
in a sense, acquiescing that he had done too much harm to now step in and do anything uh, directly that could be positive. He had to step away and say, if healing has to happen, it can't happen because of me, but through me, maybe. Through me, possibly some kind of healing can come to Isaac, and one of the things that I can do now, if I can't actually heal him, is find a way, right, for him to be healed. So there are things in our lives, everybody, that we have to pull back from and say, you know something? It's no longer my responsibility. It's no longer my, it's not up to me any longer. And if I continue to read myself into this story, I care more about myself than I care about the story. Abraham's love for Isaac, which I contend he had, is the recognition here that he has to pull away. He has to let Isaac, right? He has to let Isaac be healed, but he can facilitate in some very profound way, but he has to pull back. He's not going to be the one to find, right, the one that will replace him and his wife. And the second thing, the second thing, and this is for all of us here, is that Isaac is only healed in relationship. The wound that Isaac carries will not be discovered meditating in a field. The wound that Isaac carries will not be discovered praying in a synagogue, as beautiful as it is. The wound that Isaac is carrying from the distance between him and his father and the pain of losing his mother can only happen in relationship. He will not learn to love outside of relationship. And it will not be perfect. The relationship between Isaac and Rebekah will not be a perfect one, but it is the only one in the Torah that is monogamous. Isaac, right, and by monogamy here, I don't mean some anachronistic expression of, of, of commitment. I mean that he only had her. He placed all of his eggs in her basket because he had to, because the healing could not take place unless there was a commitment to stay in the relationship. So many people come to see me, and they say, Rabbi, you know, I'm in a rabbinical school. I had a call last week from someone. I'm in a rabbinical school, and it's not perfect. So I said, wow, that's the first lesson of the rabbinate right there. <laughs> it ain't going to be perfect. You're going to choose a rabbinical school. You're going to choose a community. You're going to choose a partner. You're going to choose a friend. You're going to choose something. You're going to commit to it. It will be there. And all of our stuff will make itself known in that moment. And if we don't stay in it long enough, it won't heal. Isaac will be healed specifically because he will recreate his mother and father and heal the broken intimacy. Right? There is no perfect, perfect relationship. There's just broken and whole and broken and whole relationships. And Isaac is going to learn that. And lastly, I just wanted to share that the, the power of Isaac, the power of Isaac and the tragedy of Isaac, the power of us and the tragedy of us is that 
that Isaac isn't in some way living his own life. Others are living Isaac's life for him. There are others who are telling him who to marry, others who are fixing him and moving him around. And the power that Isaac will have to come to at some point in his life, and he won't fully complete, he won't complete this, is that Isaac, in so many ways, Isaac is going to have to, he's going to have to be himself. And Rebecca helps him. Rebecca, whose letters mean hakever, have the same letters as hakever, the grave. Rebecca is the one, the phoenix rising from the ashes of, of, of Sarah's death. And Rebecca will be the one who can go down to the water and then come up again, go down and come up. Rebecca is that one. So Rebecca will become Abraham and Sarah all rolled up into one. But she points, she points to the power of rejuvenation and rebirth. The power of Rebecca shouldn't be underestimated. Behind every patriarch is a great matriarch. <laughs> Thank God for Rebecca. And thank God for those who know what it is to heal the breach between hospitality and loving family relations. I really want us to think about that. For those of you who are going to go home and look at this chapter, help me to unpack that. I really want to unpack how Rebecca fixes that, how she becomes the one who knows how to be the mother, who knows how to be the father too. She plays both of those roles, and she knows how to guard the relationship between the inside and the outside. So I want to bless all of you and bless me back. If you know someone, if you know someone who has the habit of loving strangers more than he loves or she loves her family, remind them a little bit of, of how things should be. Remind them a little bit of how, of how important it is to be present, to be connected. And let us say, Amen.